As the old proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. How did that work out for one group of advisors? And what can you learn from their journey? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. There's a lot of talk about achieving economies of scale. Now, years ago, those of us who've been in the business since dinosaurs roamed the earth, as I have, well, remember that pretty much sole reason you did that was to maximize production and maximize bonuses. But those days have kind of gone, and there, there are a lot more reasons, and believe it or not, increasingly more valid, to come together as a group than just to boost commission or, or bonuses on the back end. And, and a lot of companies have a lot of home offices have kind of wised up to that, and they're not too thrilled about doing it, and they've got some mechanisms in place, even some of them, so you can't do it. But there's still power in numbers because you get reach, you get the ability to share ideas, you get creativity, and you get it on a scale that you can't get any other way. And so a number of agencies around the country have started coming together. One of the most successful is True Network Advisors. And today we're going to talk all about that with their president and CEO, Scott Smith. Welcome, Scott. Great to be here. Good to see you, David. Thank you. Good to see you, too. So a little bit about your background, just so that people kind of understand where you came from and how you got to be doing what you're doing. Sure. You know, I am one of the people, as I like to say. You know, I started in employee benefits in 1996 in Atlanta, Georgia, and really have done just about everything there is within an employee benefit agency. And so I've managed accounts. I was a salesperson for a long time, you know, ended up being a partner in a benefit agency in Birmingham, Alabama. We sold that agency about nine years ago now. I became the practice leader of that larger agency that purchased us, did a little bit of M&A in that role as well. And so from, from cold calls to account management to running an agency, it kind of led me to, and really it wasn't my idea. I can't take credit for True Network. It was actually some of the peer agencies within it, True Network, that gave me the idea. And we think it's just cool. I'm able to use my experience and and all things benefits to now have a benefits network where we pour into agencies. That's pretty wild. And, and, you know, so when you decided that you wanted to get some folks together as a group, what was the calculus there? What was the, obviously everybody has kind of an initial driver where, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you get the first idea and you go, you know, if we did this, that would happen. What was that for you guys? (laughs) So interesting story. It came out of a study group. So, so my agency that I was a partner in was Northwestern Mutual, owned 51% of the agency, and, and me and another partner, the rest. And at the time, uh, there were Northwestern Mutual agencies. There were 73 of these organizations around the country where there was an employee benefit division of a Northwestern Mutual office in each market. 
And we would get together four or five times a year in conferences. And, you know, like often happens, you, you gravitate towards like-minded people, people you enjoy. Oftentimes, high-performing agencies would gravitate towards each other. And we had a study group for a long time, you know, eight or 10 years of about eight agencies. We formalized that. So it became more of just a study group. We hired the same labor attorney. We were one of the first folks to engage Employee Navigator early on. And so it became this, I guess, study group on steroids. As so ACA happened, the M&A train started. And this is early on, not, not the madness that it is right now. And so we sold our agency. A couple of these folks bought their agencies from Northwestern Mutual. And the study group went on like a two-year hiatus. We had a reunion. And I had stepped away from my position as the national practice leader. I wasn't retiring by any means, but I was looking for my next opportunity. Everybody else over maybe a few beverages was bemoaning the lack of collaboration, that they missed our study group. And several of these agencies had been to what I would say would be competitors of True or peers of True around the country. And they just didn't feel a cultural match for whatever reason. And they looked at me and said, you know, Scott, you're not doing anything. Why don't you start one of these? And we laughed and maybe had a, another beverage or two. But I got home and I was really going to have to make a decision around what I was going to do with the rest of my career or the next step. And I had some, you know, some interesting offers from some of the national organizations with some significant leadership potential. And it just sounded terrible, you know, reporting to someone. And it just, I don't think I was going to be a good employee again. And it just struck a chord in me. This sort of, could we take the best of that study group, which was just you know, altruistically just learning from each other and not competing with each other and giving each other all of our best ideas. Could we do that on a larger scale and keep the same culture, right? So I, I did about six to nine months of almost a full nine months of research on the other organizations that were out there. And there seemed to be this void of one that was maniacally focused on helping agencies but from a standpoint that people had been in the business, not, not a legislative body or a committee or those kind of things. And then as I you know, walked through the business plan, you know, one of the things that hit me early on is I have a, a lot of times our biggest strengths are our biggest weaknesses. And, and I have a very people-pleasing nature, which is not always great, right? But I realized that I got really excited to go in to start helping agencies. And so I don't know if there was an aha moment. There was a group of friends that we had really worked really well together over the years. All of our agencies had doubled or tripled in size since the beginning of that study group. So we really had helped each other grow. I mean, it was this sort of curiosity around, you know, can we do that? Can we expand that? Now, the goal was not to get to the 51 agencies we have now. I was going to stop at 25 agencies, live at the lake, watch my kids play soccer. But that might be a little rambling, David, but that's the, that was, that's sort of the Genesis story. So once you all kind of came together, and at least initially all of y'all knew each other, what was the first benefit that you guys realized? You went, aha, this is going to be great because. I think we had that unfair advantage because of the 19 founding agencies, around 12, 13, 14 knew each other. And the aha was the sharing of best practices. We had our first meeting in New Orleans, January of 2016. And, you know, we knew right away that, you know, an agency stood up that had really, really solid compliance processes, you know, really national best practices in building out compliance processes for a small to mid-sized agency and was overwhelmed with, can you teach me this? Can I come to your office and learn? We've got some folks that are really, really good sales organizations, the same thing. 
You know, interestingly enough, of the 51 true agencies, 19 are the majority owner is female. So it's a it's a big portion and and the it's great. And a lot of the founding member agencies were are female owned as well. And there's a strong they've given me permission to say this by the way. So they are very well run, high attention to detail, intentional building their cultures. And that shaped that early group as well because you had folks that were good in compliance. So it is without a doubt the collaborative experience, the elevation of best practices that was that, you know, if nothing else works that we have in that, that will work. That will always work. As you grew and you started adding agencies and whatnot, do you guys share resources? So instead of every agency having a compliance department, since you mentioned compliance, do you have kind of one central compliance hub that everybody uses? Has that been part of the efficiency of scale? Not exactly. Uh, we've taken a little bit of a different approach. Now, we, we build out resources for which they have access to, but we are not building out capabilities that we push out to them, that we staff. So, for example, we do have a, a retainer relationship with a, a law firm that's very robust. It's part of membership, and they use it like crazy. But, for example, you know, I'm not, I don't have an attorney on the team, on the true team. I have not built out, say, a pharmacy expert on our team Part of the research was we just decided early on if we could not do something better than the best agency at True, we were not going to do it because if we put forward that capability and let's say that person left True to go somewhere else, then we might be you know, putting our, those agencies in a bad spot to try to cover for, for, that, for that loss of that capability. So we build resources, sort of like a, you know, a cafeteria plan for our agencies where we do have compliance resources. We do have sales resources. For us to do something to put our name on it and our logo on it and a true brand, we have to be sure that we can that it is. We are really, really great at that. We do have a, a sales process that we push out. That compliance retaining program is great, uh, but we're slow to pull to get that granular economy of scale because I'm deathly afraid. Maybe that's not great a great thing to admit, but I've seen it happen over and over where someone puts forth a technology and enrollment solution that crumbles and it reflects on. So we do have some stuff, but most of it is built on opting into resources rather than building it for them, for them, if that makes sense. It does. So instead, Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, you spend more of your time focusing on learning from each other so that if each agency has, and we'll stick with compliance for the moment, if each agency has a compliance officer you learn from each other best, you share best practices and maybe, maybe you share some resources along the way. Yes. And you know, we've, I think anybody in sales has been in a position before when someone says to them, what makes you different or why should I go with you? Right? Like, so we have a broad spectrum of member agencies from those, a couple of agencies around a million in revenue, right? With four or five employees to agencies with several hundred employees. So we have agencies who, the principal and the owner is the is a primary producer, and then we have those where they have a CEO with you know that's managing a team of 150. It's what we found is it's really good to provide even access to some smaller groups because there's always someone who's just like you in the network, so someone who's really going through what you're going through right now. But there are also people who were where you were three years, five years, ten years ago, and have scaled their business. You know, I think we have. Of the 51 agencies, we have 14 marketing directors in the study group together. It's directionally right, 12, 16, but it's a, it's a small subset that have that position. So what we also had to do is we have an owner's marketing group 
because there are principals that are interested in marketing, but they have not, they're not large enough right now, or they, they have not committed to the resources to a marketing director. So it really is about the collaborative experience first and foremost. We just finished a virtual event yesterday. Something else we learned in the sort of in the research and it's, it's borne out over the past five years is that the member agencies want presentations from their peers or experts. And what we saw with a lot of other groups is their vendor partners would give presentations. And we have a much different way we would go about that vendor partner process. But we've let our vendor partners know that, look, they don't want to hear at an event a long-term disability presentation because you've got local people in the local market that can give that all day long. Sure, They would rather hear an agency talk about their sales strategy around disability than to hear about you know their return to work provision on their disability program. So it really is. The, the altruistic vision of True in the beginning was to get agencies together that wouldn't compete with each other, that would share all their best ideas. And because we had benefit people, that's who we were, then we could then we know who's doing great work and we can elevate that and push that out. We have built some stuff along the way, but that's still the core of what we're trying to accomplish at True. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. I know one of the things that you guys strive for and that you focus on with all of your member agencies is creating relationships. And I, I think for a lot of folks, at least for a time in our business, we lost that most important characteristic of creating long-term sticky client relationships, which is that human element. Is there anything in particular that you, other than being mindful, is there anything in particular that you and your group do to help foster those relationships that, that you think is unique or interesting? Yes. I'll answer that two ways, David. You know, one is, is our own relationships with each other. You know, COVID, you know, thrust us all into this virtual space. And for us, we went from, we invested so much in our live events that it really was a lot of who we were, who we are. If we were going to grow, we had to get someone to come to Chicago or somewhere we were having an event so they could see us and see the culture and not hear me ramble on about how great we are, but actually see the people. Well, then we were thrust into a virtual event world. And what we've sort of found over the last year, year and a half, is that the virtual platform enables us to do granular teaching, to go really deep and record the, the, the topics on, you know, so we had one of our agencies uses Asana as a project management tool. Well, not everybody wants to hear that, but there are five or six or seven agencies who are incredibly interested in that. And so we can go really deep on these virtual recorded virtual events, but we also record them and build a library, which now has changed the way we think about our live event structure because we want to be intentional about developing 
and fostering relationships amongst peers at the live events. So a lot of times agency principals have, we've been able to go around and meet other agency principals and network at industry events, but account managers, account executives, salespeople and producers, compliance folks, you know, those are the folks who can really benefit from these deep lifelong relationships. And they've never really had that, that opportunity. So from that standpoint, from the relationship in the network, we really focused on that. And the COVID situation has helped us define when we go into an event now, we're like, okay, this is what our virtual events we're trying to accomplish versus our live events. And then if, if we're talking about building relationships with clients or prospects, you know, I am a salesperson at heart and it's never going to leave me. I'm, I'm completely obsessed with the sales process, with influence and decision-making and buyer behavior. You know, we do have a proprietary sales process that we put forth that is an assessment-based tool. I'm not going to get on a soapbox because it'll sound like I'm selling it, but it's designed to help build relationships. It's designed to force a consultative process, to ask the best questions, to listen, to be the best listener. It really is a part of who we are as an organization is that, you know, we talk about true love and kindness and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, the art of listening, as I'm rambling on talking to you, but the art of listening is, it is, it is an art. So that, that may be a little bit of a sidebar. I'll just pause there because I know you're, you had some comments. No, I think listening is, again, a lost art. And, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of opportunities days to train salespeople, but I, but I do speak to all the youngsters in the agency that I'm the marketing officer for. And I suggest to them that they can go in yakking all they want, but they first need to listen and they need to listen to understand, not to listen to respond. Mm-hmm. And it's for some of them, it's a difficult skill to learn. So I, I certainly take your point. We've got like two, three minutes left. What what was the biggest challenge of, of coming together, mm-hmm. all of you? Because everybody is different. Everybody does stuff in their unique way, even though some of you knew each other to start with. Was there one particular thing that you went, okay, we're going to have to figure this out? I think we're dealing with it right now with the growth. You know, we I did not start true to grow to 51 agencies. And we're probably, you know, we're adding 10 to 12 a year and we don't have a salesperson or anything like that. And so keeping our culture, keeping this culture of, not competing with each other, sharing all your best ideas, even our, our, our event structure, it's just grown beyond what we thought. And I know some of our peer organizations have, that are really successful have, have gone through that over you know, the last eight or 10 years. So I try to, we try to pay attention to that. That really, I believe, is, has been our biggest challenge, and we're in the middle of it right now. You know, we're also in the middle of determining and trying to listen to the agencies. And I would, and I would step back from this and say, because I know I've talked about true a lot, but the concept of getting together with peers in a large or a small group, I just don't think people do it enough. And they don't. And if they do it, they don't do it with the right intentions. There is such power in small groups, those powers of five, six, seven, eight. It is really meaningful if you can find a small group with which you can share and collaborate with and not compete with and be vulnerable. It's all those things that we've tried We've tried to take that eight to 10 person culture and maintain it. And now we're at 51. Well, how the heck do we do that at 71? And then do we just stop? So that I think is our biggest challenge. And has been as I think we're going to deal with that for the next several years. Yeah. You know, in any organization, maintaining cultural space is increasingly difficult as you grow. And we, we see it every place. I mean, I, I ran a TPA for a while back 97 through 2003, 2004. 
And as we grew to 360-something employees, it became much more difficult to manage the cultural part of it. The work part of it, interestingly enough, actually became a little easier because we had more structure Mm -hmm. around that and more layers of management. But I completely understand what, what you're saying. And, you know, in these days, and I think the message, part of the message that you're giving today is that pretty much everything business is downstream from culture. Business will always exist, but if the culture is great, then you soar. And if the culture is terrible, you sink like a rock. And I, I think that's probably a good place to end our conversation, but we'll come back and talk again when you're at 70 members and we'll, we'll see kind of how you've, <laughs> how you've peeled those grapes. Scott Smith, president and CEO of True Network Advisors. Scott, thanks so much for sharing your experience and your expertise with our audience. Well, thanks for having me on. And it was really a joy. The buildup to this and the interaction with you has been really cool. And so I can't wait to start digging in with you to get some advice from you on our podcast and all the stuff that we've been talking about. It'll be my pleasure. You know, if everybody succeeds, we have a much better industry. So amen. Thanks much. Take care, Scott. Thank you. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.